Blog Talk Radio. Wednesday night of conversation sports. I'm Don Henderson. We'll host the show this evening. We've got our normal group in line. Of course, uh, Roger Hender will be in Atlanta. Roy Cummings is in Tampa, Florida, as always, and our director of communications, director of the program, Frank Carroll, is at the controls. 
And let's get to it. we got so much to talk about tonight. Let's get the dedication out of the way of the first, Frank. Okay. We want to dedicate tonight's show to a lovely young lady who I have this, the uh, chance to talk to each and every day, even as, as it's only high pop-ups next week to my mom. Uh, Miss Stella Carroll. Uh, Miss Stella Carroll was accepted to her uh, VPK today, and she couldn't wait to get home to see if pop up a call. And so, Stella, we love you, you and Frankie, and, and uh, your daddy, and uh, your brother, and your mommy. So uh, this program is dedicated to you, kid. To the grandkids, you can't do a better job than that, Frank. And welcome to the show, everyone. And I'll tell you, I think we've got a pretty good one for you tonight. Uh, you talk about a potpourri of sports, the National Football League draft not that far away, baseball being played right now, the uh, NBA being played right now, and the National Hockey League is underway. You can't turn a dial on without getting a sports event. So let's get right to it. And uh, uh, we'll tell you this, for those folks that don't have uh, MLB, uh, Judge robbed, uh, <laughs> robbed the home run of the, of the, of the California Angels on Tani in the very first inning. Then he came up in the first inning, and the bottom of the first inning hit a home run. So the Yankees are up to yeah. nothing in that game. And uh, But a very controversial was Schwarzer, the pitcher for the uh, New York Mets, being taken out of the game in the third inning by the umpires. And we'll talk about that as well. But I want to get started with Roy because he's been a man member of this uh, National Hockey League Association. And the Lightning played like they've been playing in the Stanley Cups for the last four years, Roy. What a game they played last night from the outset to the get-go. Yeah, I guess they didn't get the memo that they don't have uh, as much depth as they used to and that uh, Toronto is supposed to win this series, uh, not necessarily going away, but uh, expected by some people to have a, a fairly good time uh, you know, with, with them. But yeah, I guess the Lightning didn't get that memo. I, uh, but they, I know they got the memo that the playoffs have started because uh, this is what Tampa has a tendency to do. Um, this particular group under uh, John Cooper and, you know, with the players that they have right now, uh, you know, this is just uh, it's kind of their, their modus operandi. They, uh, you know, they'll play a little shaky at times here and there during the regular season. But, boy, oh, boy, they do know how to turn the switch and uh, and turn it up a notch when the playoffs come and, you know, again, uh, most of what uh, analysts and critics are saying about the Lightning is that they just don't have the depth anymore to really compete. Now, look, this series isn't over, but uh, the first two goals last night were scored by third and fourth line players. Uh, third and fourth line players were involved in another couple of goals. Um, certainly the Stars came around as well, which you have to have happen in the, in the playoffs. But uh, I think the Lightning proved that uh, they're not just a goaltender uh, and a couple of uh, snipers. Uh, they've got uh, they've got everything you need, including uh, the ability to kill off penalties and uh, and go deep into these playoffs. Uh, right now, it's um, it's it's really quite the uh, uh, quite the series already here with uh, with Toronto, which has got to be just you know shaken and just wondering what in the world do we have to do here. Well, Roger, I don't think you you probably had that much chance to see it last night, but they get off the boy. Before the lights got on the rink, they had two goals, and they were ahead 2 nothing. And it was, You talk about uh, hit pass history and Toronto never being able to win a playoff game. Boy, oh, boy, before the people got a chance to sit down, they were uh, they were down 2 nothing and on their way to a, a devastating loss in game number one, Roger. Well, that's the way they, uh, they want to uh, get going, and, uh, when you're a good team, you'll do that. But you're right. I was not able to watch that. 
because I was watching a uh, freshman uh, state uh, tournament game in baseball last night that was one in the bottom of the seventh inning on a uh, two-run double, bringing in two runs, and what a way to end the game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your Braves finally lost the game. They lost one nothing this afternoon, so you didn't get a chance to see that one either. But, Roy, I'll tell you, between all the National Hockey games that are on, all the NBA games that are on, Major League Baseball, as I say, they've been promoing this thing between the Yankees and Judge and Antani now for the last two weeks that it was going to be on tonight, Judge against Antani. Antani hits one, and Judge takes it away from him five feet over the wall, and uh, then he comes up and hits one 29 feet over the wall that nobody could catch. So I'll tell you, it's uh, a lot of fun to be a sports fan right now. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, you need you, you you don't just need a remote control. You need uh, picture in picture on your TV. You need two or three TVs if you're a if you're a fan of all these sports. Uh, it, it's hard because look, it's not just the the different sports. You know, it's not just the Yankees and the and the Angels playing right now. It's not just uh, the Islanders and Carolina. It's not just Boston and Florida. You know, it's uh, within each league. There's, there's plenty going on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that today we had a few day games in baseball uh, so we can focus a little bit more on this uh, Angels-Yankees uh, uh, match here because, uh, let's face it, uh, two of the uh, best players in the game today, maybe arguably the two best players in the game today, I, I would certainly make that argument, uh, are going against each other. And, yes, ESPN's been promoting it all, uh, uh, all week. MLB, rather, has, uh, has been promoting it all week. Um, but, you know, you, you got hockey on ESPN, you got basketball on uh, TBS. It, it's just, it, it's really remarkable. It's, it's like there's, there's not, and you got the NFL draft around the corner. So it's, um, it's truly remarkable. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those things, you know, sports never disappoints. It, uh, it always yeah, we got Jason Hurst signing that $255 million contract. We'll get to that, too. There's another uh, little ore to throw in the water tonight. There's so many things going on. And, uh uh, Roger Atlanta lost, as I said today, one to nothing. But they've been playing, you know, just great baseball. And but the big story today is uh, Scherzer, and he got to the fourth inning against the Dodgers. The Dodgers uh, uh, or the Mets won two out of three playing at Dodger Stadium, winning this afternoon again. But Scherzer got taken out of the game in the fourth inning with, uh, I think, a, a very controversial umpire's decision. And it's going to be interesting, uh, Roy, I'll let both of you guys talk about it. It's uh, going to be a very interesting decision because uh, very controversial about what the substance was and whether there really was a substance. And number two, if he was taken out of the game and they uphold the substance and the umpires, then he's going to do for a suspension. And the Mets don't need surgery getting a suspension. So, uh, Roger, I'll let you talk about it first. Well, when I first uh, heard about it was when Tom LeMain sent a text, you may have gotten it too, Don, about it, uh, and he, it, is re- it was resin uh, with, uh, you know, from the old Roslin bag or Roslin bag, and, the, uh, and then he was mixing it with saliva. So obviously it would make a hard substance that would go on the ball, and I said to well, Tom. Well, wait a second. Now, they, they you know, they followed the story very closely during the course of the game. And uh, <clears throat> then they followed even more closely on uh, on ESPN just before the Yankee game came on. And uh, the Rosin, you're right, uh, mixed with the dirt. and uh, But the umpires had warned him he'd gone into the dugout 
given this glove to uh, to uh, wash it down with alcohol and came back out, and that's when they, uh, you know, threw him out of the game. I, I guess you probably saw it too, Roy. Uh, you know, they went into great detail and showed all what they thought was going on. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's hard to know. Um, it, I mean, I have a hard time believing that, you know, given the rules the way they are now, that Max Scherzer is, is out there using an illegal substance. Um, but you know what? We've got to get to the bottom of it and find out if he is or he isn't. Um, you know, the way they check these guys now, I mean, when they first started checking these guys, it was pretty in-depth. You know, they'd pick, pick up the glove, check that. You know, now it, it, it's, it's almost like a high five. I mean, they barely even touch the guy. They, they kind of look at it and move on. Um, so I think you could certainly get away with uh, an illegal substance now, the way they check guys, because it's nowhere near as invasive as it used to be. Um, but, you know, just the other night we had a situation with the Minnesota Twins and a pitcher against them, and I'm, I'm forgetting who it was, but the pitcher got, you know, found with some sub, substance on it. It might be the Yankees. Found with a substance on his, on his glove, his hand, and they, you know, basically made him go, you know, wash up and clean up and everything else, get rid of, you know, and get rid of it. And, and, and like, but the, the twins were saying, wait, what are you doing? You know, Rocco Baldelli is saying, wait, 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 the, the, the guy's got substance. Why, why is he in the game? You know, you got to throw the guy out. And so today, maybe they heard that, maybe they heard that message, or maybe the memo got sent out uh, today saying, hey, if you guys find an illegal substance, you know, that's, that's right. That's it was a, it was German, German was the pitcher, and it was in the sixth inning. At Yankee Stadium, and you're exactly right. Baldelli uh, really went off, and justifiably so. I mean, you, you watch the whole thing unfold. Again, the umpires are having a tough time right now trying to come up with a, uh, you know, a lot of solutions with these new rules and all. But I, you know, I think and Boone came out and Baldelli came out, and uh, you know, they they didn't know what to say. <laughs> it was very very unusual. Yeah, it was, and uh, because again, what's unusual is that the rule is there; it's stated now, and uh, uh, you know, if the guy's got an illegal substance, it's not. Well, you go change your glove. No, you're out of the game. So, you know, I don't know why he was allowed. Why, why Jermon was allowed to stick around, and uh, uh, and now today, Scherzer's gone. So obviously, the the the, the word got out that uh, if you find somebody with illegal an illegal substance. Now again, that just takes us back to the, the original question: Is you know what did Scherzer have? You know, was it illegal? Was it an illegal substance? Did they just suspect him of having something illegal? Um, if it's saliva and rosin, I don't think there's a problem there. I mean, to me, that's you know just like if it's rosin and sweat. I mean, that's that's just kind of organic, you know. I mean, it's, that, that is what it is. I mean, that's the you know the, the old-fashioned way of trying to, to to get a grip on the ball. So. Uh, we'll have to wait and see where it goes, um, but obviously this is uh, one to watch for sure. Well, Roger, your Phillies had a big uh, a big day well, today. Uh, I'll tell you, it's interesting. Uh, their center fielder is so red hot right now with home runs and base hits. They've had two more today. Uh, the Phillies uh, are hitting the ball pretty well. Had great success and uh, another big win today, five to two. Yeah, just let me get back to the uh, situation with Scherzer. Uh, what I'm thinking is that maybe, like you said, Don, he was told to wash that glove down with alcohol, and he, he may not he have done that. Well, okay, that's, that's what I'm thinking, that he really didn't do it or he didn't do it to their 
satisfaction. But as far as the Phillies go, uh, you, you know, when they made the trade, and I'm watching the uh, Yankees Angels, and the catcher for the Angels is uh, Logan Ohapi, who uh, was like one of the top prospects in the Phillies system and a young, terrific catcher um, in, in every way. And uh, the, uh, that brings back the uh, Brandon Marsh, Marsh uh, trade. And at the time, he was not hitting at all for the Angels. He did improve quite a bit uh, during the uh, playoffs into the World Series. But David Dombrowski said at the time they felt that they could really make him into a good hitter. And obviously, it looks like he was right and that they have really, uh, the hitting instructor uh, has really done a terrific job. I think it's Kevin Long. Uh, that uh, to bring him uh, along, and, and he's terrific. Uh, a lot of times the Phillies have trouble scoring runs, and they get a lot of hits. But uh, they got a number of 300-plus uh, hitters, and uh, at least they're getting within uh, eyesight of uh, uh, being 500 after getting off to that awful start. Yeah, it's been interesting, uh, Roy, as we look up and down. I know you're, you follow the Cubs more closely than – Roger and I do, but I'll tell you, the Cubs are an interesting team to watch right now as well. Yeah, they really have become interesting. Uh, their starting pitching is, uh, has been very strong. Um, now, granted, they're, they're playing right now, they're playing the, uh, the A's. They just got off a three-game sweep of the Oakland A's, who are basically a triple-A team. Um, they're At really best. trying to figure things out. But, um, you know, they also did take two or three from the uh, – from the Dodgers, and uh, the one they lost was a uh, ninth-inning, uh, you know, single, single, single situation where, um, you know, they got they got beat in the ninth, and they were leading up to that point. So, uh, but the, the right now the Cubs are uh, they're getting very good hitting out of uh, uh, some of their young players, uh, guys like Nico Horner and uh, Patrick Wisdom. I mean, they've got guys who are leading the league in some categories. Nico Horner leads the league in stolen bases with nine, all of Major League Baseball. Um, Patrick Wisdom's got eight home runs. He's right up there among the leaders in the National League. Uh, you know, again, they're getting good, getting good pitching, uh, good relief pitching. So, um, you know, and they're playing good defense, which I think, you know, that was the really the big objective. And and right now, I, I, the other thing they're getting is they're they're getting some good contributions right now from Cody Bellinger. I, I'm not ready to say that he's uh, he's figured things out just yet. Um, you know, that he's ready to resume or regain his uh, MVP uh, form of three, four years ago, but um, he looks pretty good at times. I mean, he's putting, he's really putting good swings on the ball and uh, hitting, hitting with authority right now. And, um, you know, the Cubs are just playing very good baseball. And uh, I think it's going to continue. They're an aggressive base running team. Um, they're a smart uh, team. They're, they're defensively sound. And if they can get some decent pitching, which they're getting now, they, they are a team to watch for sure. Uh, you know, are they good enough to get to the playoffs? Well, we'll see, but uh, you know, Teams have surprised before. Phillies were one of them a year ago. I don't think anybody really saw that coming, but um, Cubs could be this year's uh, surprise. And, Roger, uh, going back to the Phillies, they spent a lot of money for a shortstop, but it looks like they're going to get their money's worth. Well, absolutely, and he had his first home run today. And, uh, right. yeah, before Roy gets away tonight, I, I want to, with, with uh, all of you, I want to tell you about a big announcement that was made uh, here in Forsyth County. Uh, the other day, which I doubt whether uh, you're familiar with, but uh, I think you'll find it uh, very interesting. But we'll stay with baseball, and then uh, before Roy leaves, I'll uh, I'll tell you the whole story. 
Go ahead. Unless you want me to tell you now. Okay. Well, yeah. back okay. to hockey. Uh, there okay. was an announcement made the other day. I live in Forsyth County, uh, which is uh, up on 400. Um, before you get to Dawson County and to the east of uh, Cherokee County. Uh, and the plans have been, uh, have been, uh, come out that they are going to build a tremendous amphitheater and a, an arena. And uh, it's going to be a uh, – I, I know I don't think either one of you have been to the Battery where the, uh, the Braves' truest park is which has just become uh, hotels, stores, restaurants. It's unbelievable. Well, that's what it's going to be patterned after, and then they're going to go after a National Hockey League team. And I know the guy uh, who uh, was uh, president of the Gladiators, which is the uh, minor league team uh, over in Gwinnett, he's been very uh, upfront about getting a, a National Hockey League team back in the Atlanta area. And the best thing is it's not downtown because you don't draw. And you know, the way the cities are, uh, this, uh, 76ers, uh, arena downtown with the way Philadelphia is on crime is not good. Atlanta's is the same way. So this is, uh, like a, up where I live and it would only be about 10 minutes from uh, where I live, uh, about 40 miles uh, from, uh, maybe 35, 40 miles North of, from Atlanta. But I thought it was very interesting that uh, with all the success of the battery uh, that they've had with the Braves, and uh, I'll never forget the headline in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, when they made the announcement they were going to move out to Cobb County, to Smyrna. Uh, the headline, one of the columnists who was a great guy, yeah, he, the headline was, The Mayor Rode the Wrong Horse. In other words, he rode Arthur Blank's horse instead of the Braves' horse. And, and the, uh, you know, the, the Falcons do not draw uh, as much as they want. You know, they desire to, really. So, but I thought that you would find that interesting because both of you, like I am, and, uh, and Frank and also, uh, obviously, Tom LeMaine, uh, I've been big on Atlantic uh, getting a National Hockey League team again. And if that comes to fruition, which I guess we would know, we know within uh, a year or so, but th- I guess this project is going to start right away. But it's, it's really a absolutely spectacular uh, setup, and they must be pretty sure about it because they would not uh, have put all the pictures out and know exactly where it's going to be, and I guess they have the developer and everything. Roy, let's stay with hockey for just a minute because the playoffs are going on. The most important part of the whole National Hockey League season is right now. And uh, we talked a little bit about the Lightning and how they got out of the gate in such great shape up in Toronto. Uh, But some of the other games that maybe you'd like to touch on uh, that uh, were certainly some very good games last night as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's been uh, really any – any bad games. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to look at a bad game, the Lightning might have been the worst game because uh, it, uh, it there was some sloppy play. At least competitive, some, let's put it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, at least competitive because it was, there was some sloppy play. There was some questionable, um, uh, you know, decisions by the officials, but uh, some questionable officiating. But other than that, the games have really been very good. And, you know, gee, what a shock. I mean, the NHL hockey uh, playoffs are, are just uh, – it, it's an it's, – it's it's all it's a season unto itself, 
And it, it's a shame that more people don't, you know, follow it, um, you know, and it doesn't become more of a, uh, a sport that's, you know, really, uh, you know, taken in by, the, by, by just the general public because they don't know what they're missing. They really don't. I mean, uh, so there have been some really good games and uh, some, some some surprises. I mean, uh, the, uh, the the Los Angeles Kings beat Edmonton uh, on the road in game one of their series uh, in overtime. Uh, we had uh, the Seattle Kraken, their first time in the playoffs, uh, winning last night uh, against Colorado. Um, again, and, and, it's, and it's good hockey. I mean, it just – this is the this is how the game is meant to be played in the playoffs. You see, you know, uh, glimpses of this kind of play during throughout the regular season, but you know, in this this time of year, every check is finished. Uh, everybody's throwing checks. There's more hits. Uh, there's more intensity. Uh, the stars still get to shine, and uh, and the games are always good. I mean, it's and you just it, truly, it, it's hard to know. I mean, it's hard to pick. Uh, a team and say, okay, well, they're going to win. I mean, the Bruins are expected to go deep, obviously, and they should. Uh, President's Trophy team, a team that won a, a record, you know, posted in a record number of points, record number of wins this year. But, you know, history in the NHL is that those teams that uh, finish first overall in the regular season often get knocked out in the first round. And I don't think it's going to happen this time around. Um, but, uh, you know, they won the other night without uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron, arguably their best player. Um, and, uh, you know, but, uh, Florida is going to give them a series. I can tell you that it, it, it still may go for only four or five games, but, uh, Florida, they're going to know they've been in a series, uh, when they're done with Florida. So it's the NHL playoffs. You can't miss if you want, you know, if you're listening and you haven't given a shot, I'm, I'm truly telling you, you don't know what you're missing. And, uh, if you want to see, uh, some of the best sports period, um, the intensity level and everything else, just watch the NHL playoffs great. Roy, thank you very, very much. The first half hour goes by so quickly that it went by even more quickly tonight. Thank you very much. We'll do it again next week. Larry Bowe is sitting in the wings. He's in the on-deck circle. And Larry Bowe, first of all, welcome to the show. And maybe you, uh, I I watched the Philly game this afternoon. I I watched Scherzer. I I watched ESPN earlier tonight to get a little bit uh, more definition of what Scherzer had to say in the locker room. But you know more about these rules than I do, and you know more about baseball than I do. So what's your impression? Well, uh, from what I gather, he used rosin and uh, alcohol to wipe it off. And if you put that together, you're going to get a sticky substance. Uh, They said you can use rosin, and the umpires told him to use the alcohol to wipe whatever he had off, and then he went to the rosin. I don't see anything wrong with it, to be honest with you, but... Again, there's so many rules right now, it's hard to keep up with everything. <laughs> That's what we said the first half hour. Even the umpires are having a really tough time. I mean, right. Jeremy got right. uh, taken out of the Yankee game last Saturday. Uh, same thing. Uh, it's, it's sort of an unknown substance they thought he had. It, it couldn't. But also, the, the problem I have, Larry, and, and maybe you could clear this up, also, if they uphold the uh, umpire's decision, he could also be suspended for a period of time, right? Well, according to the rules, yeah, 10 games. But if you listen to – again, we're, we're listening – I listened to Scherzer's explanation, and I'm sure the umpires are going to have theirs, so we'll see if there's a big difference. But when I listened to Scherzer, it didn't sound like he did anything wrong. They asked him to change gloves. He changed gloves. They said right. put, some alcohol, put some alcohol on your hand, wash it off, then you can go to the rosin bag. 
he did all that, and then they still said there was a, a sticky substance. Anytime you use rosin, and whether it's sweat or water or alcohol, that's what you do. You get a sticky substance. And, and listening to Scherzer, again, this is his side of the story. That's what he did. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Well, Larry, before I get Roger in down there in Atlanta, uh, one other question for you. And uh, your shortstop, which you spent a lot of money for, and your center fielder seems to have uh, turned his offense around last year to this year in the first 20 games of the season. And right now they're playing pretty great baseball. Yeah, we've, we've really hit the ball pretty good uh, from the start. Uh, the home runs have been a little bit down, I would think, for our team. Uh, and hitting with runners in scoring position has been inconsistent. But this team this team's, is a good team, and we'll get our act together here. we got four games coming up with uh, Colorado, who I've watched on TV. And uh, like I said, there's, there's no easy games in baseball, but that team is, is not a real good baseball team. So if we take care of business the way we that I think we should, then we should be pretty good shape uh, after this homestead. We're playing two teams that are struggling. Colorado, I think, lost eight in a row. Seattle's lost five out of six or close to it. So we got to have a good homestand here and get, a, get above 500. Roger, jump in. Yeah, Larry, a couple things uh, about I mentioned uh, the first half hour about Brad Marsh uh, that uh, uh, David Dombrowski said that they felt that he could become a very good hitter and uh, obviously uh, looks like he has. And uh, we know his defense is good. And so they have the, the center fielder they're looking for. And I've been watching uh, some of these angel games and, uh, get to see Logan O'Hoppe, uh, who was one of the top prospects. And uh, did you see O'Hoppe? I've been a fan of his from, you know, watch him in the minor leagues. Uh, I guess he was ready for the major leagues, wasn't he? Yeah, no question. And, you know, uh, it was it, when you make a trade, it helps both teams. I think that's a real good trade. And as good as O'Hoppe showed signs of becoming, which I think he's going to be, uh, there really wasn't anywhere for him to play here with uh, JT uh, under contract here for a while. So, I mean, it was a trade that helped both teams. Um, I also think three guys got helped a lot by going through what they went through last year, the uh, playoffs and World Series, Marsh, uh, uh, Stott, and Bohm. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's showing early. It's showing early right now that, uh, you know, going through that experience, I think it helped them a lot. Uh, I mean, those three guys, they're young. They're going to get better. And uh, like I said, I, I, the least of my worries is our offense. I, I think we're in good shape with our offense. I think guys are going to hit. We're going to hit home runs. Uh, a little concerned right now about pitchers, and not the, the quality of the pitchers, but the fact that we're not going real deep. Today we got a decent performance from Walker. We need to get our big boys, uh, Nola and Wheeler, on track. And once we do that, I think we're going to be in good shape. Larry, you were very, very high on Scott during the winter. You were on with us a couple of times, and uh, you said that uh, you just felt that he was going to be a player that was only going to grow, that he tried to do a little too much early when he came up and sort of leveled off in the middle of the season and then started to pick up some momentum, especially in the playoffs. And now he's picked right up from there and uh, has really got out of the gate in very solid shape, both offensively and defensively at second base. He, he's really good, Don. I mean, this guy, uh, he, uh, 
he understands the game. He can slow the game down. He's very smart on the field. Doesn't make a lot of mental mistakes. Got a great idea of the strike zone. Not afraid to hit with two strikes. His swing is very compact and short. Eventually, he's going to hit 15 to 20 home runs. Uh, I just like the way that his his uh, season has gone so far. Uh, I know it's early. We all know that uh, you can get three hits one game, then go for 10, and your average drops 100 points. But uh, he just shows a lot of maturity for a kid that hasn't played in the big leagues that long. And I think he's going to have a long and successful career here in Philadelphia. Roger? Larry, what's the latest? Uh, I know that uh, Bryce Harper's coming along in a very positive uh, manner. Uh, and uh, the pitching does concern me, too, and not only the starting pitching, uh, the relief core. But they seem to get, have, get – they're getting straightened out, so to speak. And Sir Anthony uh, was good, uh, and I thought it was great yesterday uh, with uh, that first game when I think they had 13 strikeouts and uh, the relief core had uh, two each. Uh, that says a lot uh, about the uh, pitching when you get a, you know two strikeouts out of three and eat from each of the pitchers. Uh, the uh, do you know? Can you tell us anything about uh, Harper's progress? And what your opinion is of well, the relief pitching? I love our bullpens. I really do. I, you know, I think if you can cut it down to getting six outs instead of nine to 12 every night, you're going to see a strong bullpen down there. When you go to the bullpen in the fifth inning every night, it's just a matter of time. I don't care how good an arm you have. Uh, and that's why I think when Wheeler and Noah start going deeper in the ball game, you're going to see our bullpen even improve more. we got power arms down there. They're throwing strikes. Uh, I don't think that's a big concern. As far as Harper's concerned, Harper's ready to play right now. There's no question about that. They're worried about when he slides. You know, it's hard to tell a guy you can't slide this way because, say, he slides head first and grabs the bag and uh, his momentum takes him past the bag and he grabs the bag with his arm that he had operated on. All that good stuff that's happened so far could go right down the drain by tearing something again. So, I think that's the biggest thing they're waiting on. This guy's swinging the bat every day, taking ground balls at first base, taking fly balls. I don't think you're going to see him in the outfield uh, anytime soon uh, because, obviously, the long throws and everything. But I do think when he comes back, there's a good chance, maybe at the beginning of DH, but I could see him sliding him in there at first base. Mm. I look for him to be back. I look for him to be back. This is just me now, and I don't have any insight on this. I'm saying by the middle of May. Uh, that's mm. my, you know, the sooner we get him back, and then you look at that lineup. But all, all it does is lengthen the lineup, and it's already a good lineup. But with him in it, it's going to be an even more impressive lineup than it is. Well, he certainly showed his uh, true colors in the playoffs last year. I mean, uh, you know, he was the one that really carried him through the playoffs and into the World Series. That uh, everybody expected great things of him. He got the money to begin with, and. He's been following through as, as best he possibly can. And this is just something that, as you indicate, it's not something he can control. It's something that the, the management staff is going to have to say, this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Oh, yeah, if it was up to him, he'd be playing right now. You know, he, he, when, I think the thing about Harp, when he plays, he goes all out. And it's hard to tell a guy, hey, when you slide into second, make sure you slide feet first. You don't do head first slides. And if you're used to sliding – head first all the time, it's very difficult for you to change. 
So they're going to they're going to caution and you know, be very cautious with him. You know, if it means waiting another two or three weeks, so be it. I mean, uh, you know, we need him down the stretch, and and you know, this is still real early in the season, and everybody said, oh, he'd be back by the All Star break, probably the earliest. Uh, I I don't I don't see that at all. That's again, that's just my opinion, and we'll see how it plays out. But the sooner we get him back in there, the more potent that lineup is. Uh, the only thing that I, that bothers me a little bit right now is we've played some teams, and again. If you have a big league uniform, you're a big league player. <clears throat> but we play some teams that no one expects a lot out of them. The White Sox aren't a good team. Cincinnati yeah. aren't a good team. Uh, the Marlins, they're improved, but they're they're not a real good team. And, and we're still, you know, three or four games under 500. We just got to pick it up a little bit and be more consistent. And I think that uh, once we settle in here and get our feet on the ground, it, we're going to be fine. It's going to be a three-team race again. Uh, Atlanta and the, and the Mets and the Phillies in our division. So we'll see how it plays out. Interesting, you, Lyra, say, you well, know, you should well, say that because uh, all we do is keep looking at where the Mets are. We keep looking at where the Phillies are. We keep looking at where the Braves are. The Braves this time, they get off to a little bit of a short start last year. Roger, you're right there in Atlanta. Uh, you see the Braves almost every day. What do you got for us? Oh, they're looking great. I mean, they really are. Uh, the uh, you know, the every five, they, uh, the uh, Charlie Morton uh, did a good job the other day uh, for them, and uh, they have uh, they've got a good solid lineup. They they wouldn't have gotten rid of Dansby Swanson if they uh, didn't think they had a, a shortstop to take over. Uh, but I I wanted to talk for a second about go back to the Phillies. Uh, what about uh, Hall? Uh, I, know, I know I saw him with the uh, the uh, wrap on his uh, wrist. Uh, Larry, do you expect him back within the Who, next week or so? Who's that? I didn't hear. I didn't Derek Hall. First oh, base. no, no, no. No, no. He got operated on. He had a ligament problem. Uh, it's going to be a while for him. Oh, is it? We got it's hit. a lot longer than I thought. Yeah, we got hit pretty hard at first base with uh, losing Hoskins and Hall. Uh, he's going to be out a while, and that's the reason that uh, that Harper's been taking ground balls at first base. And you know he's very athletic, and uh, I can see him making that adjustment for us. But uh, that that would be the only reason that that he's doing that. If Hall was going to come back anytime soon, I don't think you'd see Harp taking grounders. But it's going to be a while for him. Wow. Okay. Larry, you, when we talked in the winter, you talked about Swanson that. Uh, you were just amazed the Braves didn't re-sign him. Uh, you thought he was the heart and soul and maybe uh, the best fielding shortstop of the big big four that were out there. And uh, he certainly has proven his worth out in Chicago. He, he's a player, Don. I mean, uh, the, the fact – I think that sort of tells you of all about the Atlanta Braves. They get rid of two really, really good players in Freeman and Swanson. And right. they don't seem to skip a beat. I mean, I don't know – if I'm the GM, if I get rid of those guys, but obviously he's done a good job. He's he's, he's uh, signed some of these young players to long-term contracts. He got the catcher from Oakland, who's really a good player. Uh, I still think that uh, the shortstop's going to be an issue moving forward with them. Not not to say that those guys can't do it, but anytime you lose a glove like like Swanson, whoever you put out there is not going to be that good defensively. But again, uh, they've they, they've had their share of injuries, and they've played exceptionally well right out of the gate. They lost a tough game today 
uh, one to nothing to San Diego. But that team and that organization, they uh, they do a good job of, of putting uh, locking guys up, knowing who to lock up, uh, and uh, you know they're going to be one of those teams that that we're going to have to go through. Roger. Yeah. The U.S. national team lost his on uh, soccer lost his wife too, Larry. So uh, that's quite an athletic <laughs> couple. <laughs> yeah, no question, no question. No, I, I she was I the number one you. player. She was number one player in the women's game. <laughs> that's uh, right. that's a tremendous loss for the American for the World Cup. No question about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree, good. Larry, with, with you about uh, he was the heart and soul of that team. Right. He, I mean, he really kept things together. And I think that it's showing now in the play of the Cubs to, to an extent. No question. The Cubs are playing very good. Uh, they're a team that, uh, that they're going to sneak up on people this year. Yeah, I, I, That's another thing that, that I'm a I'm con- little concerned about. Last year we, we sort of snuck up on people. You know, if it wasn't for an extra wild card, we don't even get in. This year, mm-hmm. we, we're going to be the hunted. You know, teams know that we're a good team. They're going to bring their A, a game, and, uh, you know, we got to be ready for that, no matter who we play. And we're, we're going to play a Colorado team, I think, the last eight or nine games in a row, and we better come ready to play because anybody puts on a big league uniform, they're in the big leagues for a reason. And uh, But you cannot play down to your opponents. you got to play the game the way you're capable of, and I think, that this homestand is very important for us. I know it's still very early, no question about that. Uh, and uh, we, we just got to be a little bit more consistent. Larry, I think the biggest misnomer here in uh, Tampa, Florida, is the fact that uh, all they kept writing about, about the Rays, oh, well, they're playing teams that are no good. They're playing teams that are not really major league teams. Hey, they won 13 in a row. Yeah, they lost two. Right. They came right, but they won again today, eight to nothing. I mean, but, as you said, you got to play. You got to play the. Don't tell me about how bad they are. Make sure that you right. play well enough to beat them. You're exactly right. You you got to play to your capabilities. Don't worry about right. what the team on the other side is doing. And uh, mentally, if you don't come out ready to play a team like Colorado, they can beat you three out of four, or split with you two out of two and two. So you got to go out there and say, hey, every game's important. I mean, like I said, looking back at last year, we barely got in. So maybe these games now, even though it's everyone says it's April, maybe come September you look back at these four games that we're getting ready to play, and we sweep this team the way I think we should, then, uh, you know, and you get in the playoffs, you say, hey, it happened all the way back in April. But right. you go the other way, too. You come in and you lose three out of four, and you say, oh, man, we should have beat that team. So every game's important. There's no question about that. Roger. Larry, do you ever look at the uh, video uh, or a DVD of uh, the 1980 ch- championship game, the winning? Yeah, I watched you know, that. Yeah. World... I thought so. I just, I mean, I would think uh, that all of you that were on that team, I'll never forget it. I mean, uh, it was just uh, spectacular uh, because I still carry – uh, the uh, 1964 media pin, <laughs> that, you know, they used to be able to buy because you know there was a lot of them that were never used. Right. And uh, right. but I that that 80 team and I was I I thought you know some night it's quiet you put that on oh, and yeah. boy does that bring back memories. Yeah, it brings back good memories. I mean, you know, forget 
it's the journey that we went through, you know, winning it from 75 on and playing teams like the Dodgers and the Big Red Machine. And then that year we had to go into Montreal at the end to win two out of three. And then every game with Houston was extra innings, every single game yeah. except the first game. And then we to beat Nolan Ryan after he had a lead. And then we beat Kansas City. But that was a, a, a magical ride. There's no question about that. And, you know, th- I think that's what people – get confused a little bit about even though you have a good team or a good nucleus and you're in a world series and then if you lose the next year says, oh they'll be back again it's not that easy i mean nope. guys get hurt uh pitchers miss starts uh you got to go down to your farm so there's too many intangibles that can happen that it's not that easy to say oh they'll be back again next year they're they're young they're good and you very seldom see teams repeat. Yeah, I mean, it's when it does, you know, it's 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 real good baseball. But uh, there's some good teams, right? There's some bad teams in in both leagues, but there's also some real good teams. Larry, you and Charlie uh, traveled all around the last couple of years, uh, evaluating minor league right. talent, not only with the Phillies, but looking at other clubs as well. Uh, how much of time have you seen with the? Uh, Volpe, the Yankees, because he's had another big game. He got a big single to start the game tonight. Then Judd hit the home run, made a great play in the field, uh, back behind second base, stole three bases already in the game tonight. I mean, have you seen him play at all? I, I saw him play in spring training a lot. He played against us a lot. Uh, he, right. he brings a lot of energy. He's got an idea of what he's doing out there. He's very quick. Looks like he's got a nice short swing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm impressed that the Yankees said, "Hey, we're going to go with this kid," and I think if uh, he gets over the jitters early, you know, he started off a little shaky as far as swinging the bat, but he impressed me in spring training. He really did. I think you know if everything goes right, he could be their shortstop for a while. But uh, you know, again, that's a tough division that, that American League East. You got Tampa, who's killing everybody. The Blue Jays are very impressive. We played the Blue Jays and Yankees in spring training a lot because there's they're very close to Clearwater, and and uh, the Blue Jays, <laughs> they, they can they can run a pretty good lineup at you. Yeah, we we saw them play a lot here in, in Sarasota as well against the Orioles. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, the Orioles had a nice spring trading, and they're not doing too badly to get started. They got a nice minor. They got ten guys in the minor league system that are. Uh, you know, either up here now, uh, Hunter for Henderson for one and third base. They've got a, a very good nucleus at the top of their uh, minor league system. And uh, But you're right about uh, Volpe in the sense that uh, Booney gave him a little break. He hit him in the number nine spot uh, through most of the – then two nights ago he moved up to number one. He's back up to number right. one tonight. And uh, so it looks to me like he's, uh, he's going to make that transition very, very quick. It looks like he's got his feet on the ground the way he should, Larry. Yeah, you know, I, you know what, Don. I think you know people don't understand it. It's when when you're in spring trading, everything's a relaxed atmosphere, and you know guys are playing with very relaxed and in a different environment. And right. then you go to the big leagues, and you got that third deck, and the, the expectations are high. It takes a little bit to to make the adjustment. And I think this kid, just watching him, how he's progressed just in the first ten, fifteen games, I think he's going to be all right. I really do. Well, Larry, I want to thank you as always. Uh, we'll keep in touch with you during the course of the season. You follow the Phillies. You're working with them. You've been with the Phillies for so many years now that you almost got a Philly painted on your shirt. But uh, thank <laughs> you very, very much for being with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. All right, Don. I think it's going to be uh, – so some races are going to be very interesting. I think uh, the National League East is going to be a, 
one of those dog fights that go down to the end. And uh, having the extra playoff team is going to help a lot of guys on different teams. So I'm looking forward to the season to unfold and, uh, and watch uh, how we end up at the end of the year. I'm with you, partner. Thank you so much. Vince Fabelli is going to be next Thank up, you. Larry. So we're going to go for baseball uh, to football. Vince Fabelli right. joining us right now. And every time Vince Fabelli is on, we talk about the Eagles. Had him on during the Super Bowl. But we're going to have him on to talk about something high. a little Tell bit different today. Hey, Larry, what's up? Hey, yo, Bo, All what's right, going Vince. on, buddy? Good, good, good hearing from you, buddy. Good yeah, hearing from you. Yeah, you too. I miss you. I'm down in Florida. All right. I'll come you... up and see you. When you come down and play the Marlins, I'm going to come and see you. You got it. All right, Vince. All right, Take brother. care. All right. Larry, his, his son was in Philadelphia Larry this weekend. He plays in the USFL, and that's what I want to talk about at first before we talk about the Eagles and the National Football League and the draft. Congratulations. Your boy made two great catches the other day uh, in Philadelphia. He, he didn't get to play the fourth quarter. I was really disappointed. And uh, tell us a little about, uh, about the young man. He was a little All-American at Delaware, playing at the USL, uh, USFL. And uh, tell us a little bit about how he's doing, Vince. Well, he's doing very well. You know, there was a little bit of a mix-up there, but that's okay. They got it all resolved. And uh, he uh, he said he's had a great couple, three days in practice. And uh, they had a tough game against, uh, uh, against uh, who the heck were they playing? Birmingham. Yeah, the Birmingham Stallions were the champions from last year. But, you know, they get a chance in a rematch. Uh, not, they, they were playing the Philadelphia Stars, for crying out loud. We're playing Birmingham this week. And you know the irony, Don, is I used to be the radio announcer with Harry Donahue, the voice. He and I were the were the uh, were the uh, the radio team for the the stars back in the day. And the first game that we did was in Memphis. So it was a lot, it was a lot of great memories coming back there. But yeah, he's doing very well. And and he he had four solos in special teams. So uh, you know he's he's got that he's he's got that blood in there to, to cover kickoffs and punts and and uh, had quite a game. So we're pretty excited about this week. So, uh, for those folks that aren't familiar with USFL, he plays for the Mississippi Showboats. And, uh, as I said last weekend, uh, uh, playing in Philadelphia. Uh, of course, nobody knows more about Philly than Vince. Grew up in Philly, went to college in Philly, played for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, as he just said to Larry Bowie's in uh, down in uh, Juniper. Now, Jupiter, Juniper, right? Yeah, Jupiter, yeah. I'm in Jupiter, Florida right now, actually. It's, a, it's pretty cool. And, you know, the irony is, it's so funny because I heard the end of the interview with Larry. Uh, Janet and I are both dressed up, and Janet, we just got done doing a nine and dine, and the uh, the the, uh, the theme for it at Sequestra Golf Club, and the theme for it was baseball. Take me back to the ball game, and Janet and I both have all of our Philly stuff on. I'm wearing a great <laughs> Philly hat. Janet, yeah. <laughs> Janet, Janet's got a Philly. She's got a Philly baseball jersey. It says Gabby 13. Our daughter, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm listening, I'm hearing his voice, and I, I know it's Larry Boa. And, uh, oh, my God, it, it, he's – you talk about one of the best ever. He's a man. He's oh, the best. one of I the great him. guys. Of, one of the great guys you could ever be associated with, I'll tell you. But, oh, yeah, Roger, sure. let's jump in here. Well, I want to get back to the USFL, Vince. Uh, um, congratulations. I'm happy for uh, your son. Uh, the uh, uh, talking about the Philadelphia Stars, and I remember them well. It was a, a really great team, Baltimore, Philadelphia. Uh, you know, Jim Mora, senior, right? Uh, coaching, and uh, you guys did a great job. But they, of course, they only were playing in Birmingham all of last year, correct? Yes, yes, yes. 
So and the now they're going to – yeah, Go this year they're going to spread it around a little bit, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, they have four hubs now. One of us, One's in Memphis, and uh, that's where Vinny's playing. He's playing with the Memphis Showboats. And uh, that, that's Reg, uh, Rand, uh, Reggie White, you know, played for the Showboats before he came into the NFL. And, right. uh, and also the Houston franchise is there. And they also have a, they have a, a hub in Canton, Canton uh, a hub in Canton, Detroit, yeah. and, and a hub in Birmingham. So they have two teams in each one of the hubs. So next week, uh, Vinny is playing Birmingham, the uh, USFL champion from last year, who beat our Philadelphia Stars to win that championship. And uh, so we'll be heading out to Birmingham this week. It's an interesting – from here where I am at Jupiter, you fly, what you do is you fly to Atlanta – and then rent a car and drive 150 miles across Route 120. It's like the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It's like it's it's, it's almost like going from uh, from Philly just right beyond Harrisburg. You know, a couple three hour drive if it's even that. And, uh, and so you it's going to be pretty fun. Right past Talladega. 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 Right. I mean, yeah, yep. That's you go right, right yeah. by there. That track's almost on I-20. Let me tell you. Yeah, I've, been, it is, I've it made right that there. trip many a time. Oh, well, really? let, oh yeah, my God. Wanna, yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. I, is, I George still, uh, is George about, still a big part of the league or no? Who's that? Jaworski. Uh, Jaworski, uh, well, he was, he, he, uh, he's helped us out and, and tried to secure, actually, uh, Philadelphia as one of the hubs, but it didn't work out. He was with Moose Johnson, and uh, Moose is a player. He's a, he's a director of player development, uh, the Moose Johnson, you know, from the Dallas Cowboys for USFL, and, Really done a great job, and we're, we're very excited. This second year, you can see how much more organized they are, and um, and uh, very competitive. And it was great to be at this game with uh, with Vinny and Memphis this past weekend. Even though they lost, there was well over twenty five thousand people in the stands at the Liberty Bowl. And you know the, oh, the original great. John. You know you've been around, Roger. You you know the original Liberty Bowl was right here in Philadelphia back in the day. That's correct. So but Dudley, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Bud Dudley started the whole thing, the Liberty Bowl. How about that? Oh, great, great memory. Yep. You know, on the Philadelphia Stars, I'm, I, they were good last year. Obviously. Oh they my lost God! The you know how many guys went to the N? Yeah, how many guys went to the NFL from the Stars? Uh, no, no less than thirteen. And wow. uh, you know, Sam Sam Mills. You know, he was uh, you know uh, he was there starting uh, all pro. For, he was too small to play in the NFL, and and there he is. You know, playing out there in um, Playing out there in Cleveland, and then of course uh, right. Irv Eatman and 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 so many guys. Uh, Kelvin Bryant uh, was there anybody better than Kelvin Bryant? And then he got in that car accident down there in D.C. and you know that knocked him out. But we had a lot of guys go, and and it, you know, it was it, it was great franchise, just unbelievable franchise, very professional. Every city we went into, uh, they did it first class, and it was as it was as NFLish as you could get uh, with with a league back then, and. You know, they actually um, had an opportunity. They were going to go. They were trying to go head to head with the NFL, and they won a uh, they won a lawsuit. But you know, it, it was trouble damages, and they got three dollars. So wow. Vince Papali, our special guest this segment of the program on Wednesday night as we talk sports now till nine twenty. And uh, Vince, uh, two things. One, last time we got you, you were in the middle of dinner at a restaurant in Philadelphia for the Super Bowl. Now we get you and you're coming out of nine and dine tonight. Well, you, you, all you do is eat now, I guess. I guess you knew so. that was coming, Vince. 
<laughs> I deserved it. Yeah, you know what? Well, I can deliver. I, I, you know, the Don always, the Don always delivered. You know, like he's like Fred. You know, he always delivers. So, <laughs> you know what? It's so great to be talking. You talk about legends. I mean, you know, you talk about Don Anderson. There's a legend for crying out loud. It's so great. Uh, yeah. I was telling the people, yeah, we had a break up about 15 minutes ago. I says, I'm doing an interview back to Philly. And, and they say, no, you're, you're serious. I said, no. I said, but this, this guy is, he's a man. It's Don Henderson. So they, <laughs> All of you know, They're New York fans. <laughs> you know, what do they know? Hey, well, yeah, I wanted to get back to the stars before we, uh, we lose you, Vince. As, in the USFL, do you sense that the uh, that they will they they now have four hubs, correct? So, do you see right. where they'll be start to play on at the individual uh, locations like Philadelphia? That you know, maybe they could play. I don't know if they play at the Lincoln Financial. Maybe they play at Franklin Field. I don't know. But do you see sense that is coming? Well, I don't see them. You know, it, it, it it's difficult to say. It's just a I see a lot more organization and a lot more positivity with what's going on right now. So, for example, like Vinny uh, or, or, the, or the Memphis Showboats, uh, they're out there and uh, they're they're in Memphis, obviously with Houston. But they will have they'll they'll have six games in Memphis, but one of their away games will be against Houston in Memphis. I mean, you know, it, it's sort of convoluted in a sense, and you know, it's all it's all a matter of growth and and, and you know and sponsorship and. And they've got Fox. So most all the games were on either Fox or or Peacock or FS1, and uh, and and Fox is promoting the heck out of them right now. You know, oh, yeah. Vinny's game against Birmingham uh, next next Saturday night uh, is going to be on national TV, Fox at 7:30 back in Philadelphia. So you know they've they've got that, and uh, you know they're catching the attention of a lot of NFL scouts, and you know then you have the rival XFL, which has done a great job with the Rock. And, uh, you know, it's something that's really much needed. You know, they've got it in baseball. You've got it in a lot of other sports. But you don't have anything in football where there are these theater leagues to give these uh, these young kids and people out of out of college, you know, the potential, the, the free agents uh, to get a chance to show their wares and maybe get a shot at the NFL. That's, I mean, that's what Vinny's dream is. And, um, I was you just going to say, you took, it, yeah, took yeah. the words right out of my mouth because you talked about 13 players coming from Philadelphia he went to the National Football League last year. Of course, your son was an outstanding player at the, with the Blue Hens at Delaware, and uh, that must be his goal, too, to, to do basically what you did, only come out of a different league and go to the National Football League. Well, well that's okay. I came out of the World Football League, you know, with King Corcoran and Tim Rosovich and wound up getting that shot with Coach Ramil in 76, and, you know, Vinny's looking for that opportunity, and when you get it, you got to be ready, and and, you know, uh, he's, he's represented very well, and I know that there's uh, a few teams that have, have, have expressed interest, and he's worked in the offseason with nothing but uh, active NFL players. So, you know, he's not overwhelmed by it, and, and uh, we'll see. You know, it, it's all about staying healthy and, and getting that opportunity. And when you get it, you just got to be ready and, you know, shine. As we all know, it's whether in broadcasting or whatever you do in life, you know, the Dick Vermeil has a great saying: "An opportunity is worth what you put into it and what you make out of it." But you got to be prepared, and uh, and Roger? you know that's that's our mantra. No well, question. yeah, and and and, and that's a, that's a really a good theme and a good way to uh, to do anything in life. To be honest with you, sure but it is. The, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's no secrets. You know, 
Nothing was given to us back then. You know, nobody right. gave us and said, okay, because you're this, that, or the other thing, this is we're going to reward you with that. We had to earn it, and we had to work for it. You know, there were there were Absolutely. no safe zones. You know, and I, you know, you just battled, and if it you went head to head, and if you lost, you lost. And uh, that wasn't it. Wasn't a disgrace to lose as long as you gave it everything you had. And uh, you know, we sort of need to straighten things out just a little bit and and get it right and say that it's okay to give it everything you have and and um, and not make it to the top as long as you you give it your best shot. So, Amen. Hey, it is what it is. Vince, yeah. I think the one thing you said there is absolutely true. You know, uh, there's too many people now that, you know, it's not a matter of winning everything. It's not, that's not the, the point is not winning everything. The thing is, the point is doing the best you can. And when you're finished, you say, hey, I gave it every shot I had. You know, but to, to, to say, well, we can't reward people that win. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, you, re, you reward people for winning whatever it is, whether it's business, football, baseball. You got to you got to give it all you have, and if you don't have enough, you don't have enough. That's it. Well, you know, it's a competitive environment, and everything you do, whether you're in the business world or, or whether you're in politics or whether you're in sports, whatever it might be, and uh, right. you know, you got to be ready to compete. And and uh, you know, to make excuses, uh, that's not the way to go because it's going to create problems with that next generation or this young generation that's coming up. You know, you're so. Just, you, you know, you get what you get. You, you earn what you get, and, and it's very simple. And, uh, and I know with us and everybody, you know, I mean, I came from two parents and never got beyond the eighth grade. My mother spent uh, a couple of years of her life in a, in, a, in a mental institution. I mean, nobody wow. knows that, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse for failure. I use that as an, as an excuse for strength, giving me the strength to, to go to that next, that if I can overcome anything, if my mother can get through that, I can get through anything, you know, so I, I don't need anybody to make an excuse for me. You know, I've, I've created whatever I've got based upon the opportunity and coaches and stuff I've had. You did a hell of a job know, with us. Go ahead, Roger. Absolutely. You know, you're exactly right, Vince. And the thing that does concern me, I do a lot of sub-teaching, is that when I hear about a student uh, that uh, got a certain grade, and then they were going to uh, work with them and then take the test over again and take the test over again. That's not the way it is in life when you get you know get out of school. And even when uh, you, you go to college, I mean, they're not going to work with you. You either do it or you don't do it and make it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and that right. really concerns me uh, about some young people and, and I tell the uh, eighth graders, uh, I told them today that, uh, hey, listen, you're going to be a, a high school student in five weeks, okay? When people ask you where you go to school, they're not, you're not going to tell them you go to middle school. You're going to tell them the high school you go to. Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to say, what, gra- what year are you? Well, I'm a freshman. And when you get there, the, the high school teachers are not going to baby you and when you ask, uh, you forgot to bring your pencil. You either bring your pencil <laughs> or forget you're not going to get the notes. As simple as all yeah. that. You know, yeah. they're not going to be babied. And, and that's the one thing that I really uh, push. And sometimes they laugh at me because I'm old school. But that's the way it is. Yeah, well, you know, uh, they'll find out, hopefully. Um, you, you know, and, it, and it's a tough lesson. You know, it's tough love. But it is what it is, and we, 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 you know, we come from an entirely different generation, and Absolutely. and uh, obviously, you know, the things have changed an awful lot, 
And, uh, you know, the way to survive is you've got to be able to adapt. You've got to be able to call your audibles, you know, your check zeros and, and whatever it might be and, and, uh, and not make excuses. If you, if you make a mistake, it's okay. Just give it everything you've got. And that's, that's what life's all about. No question. Vince Vitale, our special guest. And, Vince, I never get tired of you telling the story of how you eventually had that movie made. I'll tell you, yeah, that, 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 you talk about something that came out of left field. Give everybody an idea. Well, you and I have talked about it on the show many times. Talk about how that all came about and how all of a sudden they're making a movie about your life. Well, it, it's pretty cool, and I thank Sylvester Stallone and Rocky and Warner Brothers for it because they were a big part of it. And, uh, you know, Rocky, obviously, you know, he, he, he's the Rushmore of sports movies as far as I'm concerned. And, and, um, and, and Rocky is turning 25. The movie's turning 25 in 2002. And I get a call from the NFL. Peter, Peter, Peter Stefano from NFL Films calls me and says, hey, the NFL wants to do a, 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 a special on you when the Eagles are playing the 49ers comparing you to Rocky because it's the 25th anniversary of Rocky and you're the – you know, quote, and I didn't make this up, that you're the quote-unquote real-life Rocky. He's a fictional Rocky. And I uh, said, so well, anyway, they said he did this piece, and, and Jaws and Stuart Scott were actually hosting Monday Night Football. We were playing the 49ers, and I was in this feature called Distant Replay, and they showed it the next day, Hollywood came calling. And, um, and then this guy, Ken Mock, I never heard of him before, but um, he, he came up with this plan. He was going to write a spec script. He had, he had done America's Next Top Model. That was his big thing. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire this guy and write a spec script. And he got a spec script written. And Brad Gann wrote it. And he did the Oscar De La Hoya story. And he had a couple of uh, movies were in the can. And uh, he handed it out on October of 2004 to about six or seven producers. And they each took it to their favorite, uh, their favorite studio, including Paramount, Columbia, whatever. And when you know it, the guys that did the movie Miracle and Rookie get their hands on it, take it to Disney. And in a heartbeat, Disney outbid everybody for the, for the, for the script. And that's, that's how it started. And in 2005, Mark Wahlberg becomes me. In 2006, 2005, we came into Philly for, for about three months, right after the 4th of July, and, and, and filmed the movie all in Philly. We spent one week in, in Dallas, and then the movie came out Labor Day 2006, and we ran number one in the box office for uh, two weeks. And when I go out and speak, I said, you know, my my story is your story. It's you know, it's just about the dream. You know, it's about the willingness to pay the pay the price to have that dream come true, and uh, anybody can do this. And that so that's why I think it it relates to so many different generations because we've all had that shot, and people have told you that you've been crazy, and you know, you just got to do everything. You take take whatever you got to do to get it done. And and I was willing to do that, and thank God I had great coaching and people supporting me. So it was pretty cool. So here we are. Terrific, you know, Roger. 2006, yes, almost, what, 17 years, and here we are. Still talking yeah, about hard it. hard to believe. And you know what? you got a great family, two great children. Uh, oh, my God. I'm so blessed. My daughter, Gabriella. Yeah, Gabriella, well, you know, Gabby was worked, at, worked for the Sixers for five years. Hey, we have a podcast out. It's called Gabby with Invincible. And if anybody goes to Spotify or YouTube and goes up and looks for Gabbing for Invincible, you'll see our podcast. So my daughter and I are, are, are doing, are, are doing um, some stuff together, and it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, we've interviewed some of the people from the movie, and, you know, we're moving and just sort of testing out the, uh, t- testing out the wind right now. But it, it seems to be catching on and very popular. So, hey, look, I'm, I'm so lucky. And, you know, Janet, my God, my, my wife Janet Cantwell – 
We've got a, you know, we've, we've got a real estate thing going on here. But Janet used to be the head coach at the University of Pennsylvania. She wasn't a Giants fan. She was a gymnastics coach at Penn, and she was on the USA World Gymnastics team. And she's coached and taught all over the world in gymnastics. And, you know, we're a jock family. We're, you know, we're, we're two coaches, Janet and me. And, uh, you know, I've got two kids that are just – I just love them so much, and I'm so proud of them. And, and they're great athletes. And, you know, so a, a great day for us is when the four of us go out and play golf together or do something together, and that's what it's all about. Well, you your also, I got to admit, you also laid the groundwork because uh, yeah. when you look back at, at Jalen Hurst signing for $255 million, he outsold has, has you by about, about ten million, but you you only went what two forty five. He got two fifty five. You only hey, got two forty five. So that's okay. You're, that, you're close enough. Hey, you know when Jimmy Murray called me up after the free agent tryout, and they pulled me up, and and I and I got into Jimmy Murray's office, our general manager. God bless Jim Murray, right? And and Jimmy and he, and he says, hey, I signed a twenty one thousand dollar twenty one thousand dollar a year contract. For back then, we were playing 14 games. I mean, 21,000. You kidding me? <laughs> I can't even. I can't even relate to these numbers these guys are making. But God bless them. You know, if, if it's out there. You know, take it what take it what you can. You know, just don't get your hands caught in the cookie jar. That's all. <laughs> Roger, it's crazy man. Vince, I'll, I'll tell you. I forget. It, it, uh, first name was John. He was a defensive back from Philly. Uh, played on the Colts. You know who it is. Uh, uh-huh. Don, I, just, I can't uh, I think. I, anyway, his great story was he got married and he was get drafted and uh, they still had the uh, NFL headquarters in Balakin with, with Burt Bell. And he called oh, to the office and he said, uh, I was wondering if I could come over and get my bonus check so that I can put a down payment on the house for my wife and I. <laughs> And if that doesn't show you the way the NFL has changed, I mean, that's oh. before your time, you know. I mean, obviously. Now, well, it, let me tell you, Roger, I got a $2,000 signing bonus. That meant if I made the team, I got $2,000. And once I played that first down, you know, the game against the uh, the Cowboys, I got, yeah. I got this check for $2,000. It was the most money I ever had in my hands at ever one given time. <laughs> You know, <laughs> what am I yeah. going to do with this? And and I cast it and I put it under my pillow when I slept on it. I didn't want to, I didn't trust it anywhere. You know? <laughs> and whatever, it, it, you know, you just you just got to laugh. Yeah. You know, I mean, they you know they drive the revenues out there. I mean, just look at the interest and you know now there's you got you got gambling into the game. You know, we weren't even allowed to go anywhere near a casino, and now now you look up and you have the commentators talking about what the odds are for that next play. <laughs> crazy, isn't, it? isn't that it, crazy? Yes, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just totally. I think it's overkill. I, I think they're going crazy with this gambling. <laughs> I really do. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a good gambler, so it's, it's not not really good for me. But uh, I, I just, uh, I think it's an intrusion on the game at times. To be honest with you. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's there, you know, and and. Oh yeah, and, it's uh, there. It's, not, yeah, it's, 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 it's their time. Yeah, they got to say you got to you got to make pivots. I always talk about if you're going to be successful and be invincible, you got to be able to, you know, if you don't have your plan A, you better have your plan D ready because there's going to be a lot of stuff in between. It's just not the way it used to be, and you got to. Uh, we got to we got to wrap this that, half hour up. Problems. It's always a pleasure, but All let right. me get uh, oh, man. before Thanks. you jump out. Uh, you said your wife and yourself are now very much involved in the real estate business over there. 
uh, under what name or, you know, if anybody's listening that's coming down to Jupiter and looking for some places to buy, uh, what do they look for? Well, I just go to the Papali Group, and, uh, you know, it's up there. It's all over the place, and, you know, we have teams in uh, in Florida and Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and uh, doing quite well. And, you know, Janet's the, uh, Janet's the captain of the team, and nobody better than her. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I, I'm not on the real I'm not on the the real estate side of things. I'm still doing a lot of speaking. I'm coming in and out of out of Philly all the time. I'm very lucky to have a house in in Queen Village uh, with a car. And and uh, you know so I'm I'm finding the Philly and back time. You know doing still speaking a lot. So you know you can just go to vincepapali.com. You know and, and and that'll do it. And you can get a hold of me or anybody there. But I appreciate that. But you know, check out this uh, Gabbing with Invincible on YouTube and, and look for the interview with Ken Mock if you want to see uh, really how the movie got uh, and how, how the movie got started and, and what his perception is of how Hollywood's going to um, going to evolve into a lot of things with influencers. And there have been a lot of, you know, been a lot of stuff with influencers going on right now and how that might uh, take over the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood environment. It's pretty interesting. Well, I'll tell you, Vince, you earned every bit of it, and you're nicer Absolutely. now than you were 25 years ago. No matter, no matter whether you're in Florida or Philadelphia, uh, we just talked about Larry Bow and uh, the, the era that we're talking about, some great guys that we worked with and talked with, and you're right there at the top of the list. Thank you so very, very much for being with us. All right. Vince, and, and best for you and your family. All right, thank you. Go, 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 Delco. I'm a Delco guy. And keep your son going. I'm going to be watching for him. I want to see him get a shot. All right, number 13. (laughs) He'll be on Fox Friday night on national TV, and I mean Saturday night, against the Birmingham Stallions. I'll be watching. watching. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. All right, thank you. Take care. All right, bye. All right. Bye-bye. What a great guy, Mike Zimzak, next up, as always, on Wednesday night show. Mike's down in the Baltimore, Washington area. Normally, we talk about... uh, uh, soccer first, and uh, maybe we will tonight as well. But uh, Mike, I tell you, following uh, Vince Papali, what a what a terrific guy, and uh, what a great job he's done since uh, his early days in Philadelphia, the National Football League, and making the movie and all the rest of it. Uh, it's just terrific to have an opportunity, uh, Mike, to talk to somebody like Vince on a regular basis. Yeah, it's not like you guys are trying to set me up for a fail by having me follow Zinz Papali. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Matter of fact, we, we may Mike, set you I've up for a waiting. movie, too. Yeah, okay, well, I'll take that. I've been Go ahead, waiting Roger. to talk to you about a couple things, and uh, also about your Monday night show, okay? Uh, because okay, yeah. uh, there, there's a woman that I subbed with who was born in Brazil. And her mm-hmm. father, evidently, is a legendary coach and and runs, uh, I believe you're probably familiar with it, is it the UFA or UFAO, uh, and it's the uh, the United uh, Football, F-U-T-B-O-L, you know what I mean, uh, football, yeah. okay? And and it's that organization, and uh, I want to. Her her last name is P I N H O, and she was going to give me uh, her father's contact and everything, so that number one you can have him on, but it would be great to have him on with you, 
because, uh, and I don't know whether that name rings a bell, but uh, he evidently uh, was a legend in uh, in, in uh, Brazil. That's where she was born. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, my my knowledge of internal Brazilian soccer is not the greatest. Um, I've had a couple of guys on our show on Monday who are really tuned into that, who have talked about it, and it's fascinating. They just do stuff completely different place else in the world. But uh, I'll look into it, and I'll let you know. But yeah, when uh, I'm sure when we'd I love to talk her, to him. Yeah, when I get the father's number, uh, I'll see her tomorrow and, and get it. Uh, I see her almost every day. I'll give it to you because uh, he's here now. You're running all mm-hmm. of these different uh, camps and everything. So yeah. uh, I thought it would be a, a great guest to uh, have on. Yeah, it would be really interesting to talk to him. So, well, we'll talk about the uh, United and and also the Union. And MLS, and let's get to MLS and get started because now we're getting into the season. You've been very hesitant, Mike, uh, because of the early going and playing on weekends and so forth to really uh, – Get your feet on the ground as to what you think. Now's the time. Well, I'll be honest. Um, we're still waiting for – I'm waiting for the Philadelphia Union to remember that they need to start their season. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're about two months into the season, and they seem to have forgotten that the season actually started. So their uh, campaign, not off the greatest start. Uh, if they want to make the playoffs, um, they're going to need to, to pick it up. On the flip side of that, um, you know, we talk often about Atlanta United. They've gotten off to a really good start, uh, rebounding from a couple of kind of, I will say, consecutive disappointing seasons. Uh, out west again, uh, LAFC, the defending champions, having a pretty strong start to life in the MLS, looking like they will again be a tough team to uh, to to uh, knock out like they have been the last couple of years. You know, we'll see a bunch of MLS players tonight. There's a, um, a friendly with Mexico that'll be starting in about now uh, hour and fifteen minutes, ten o'clock Eastern time. Uh, it's weird because this isn't a FIFA international break, so you'll have a lot of like MLS players, young players. Uh, from that area who can play because, you know, the European guys aren't out of season yet. So a chance to see some of the guys who might uh, MLS-based players, domestic players, and maybe uh, get a look at some guys who are a bit on the fringe of the national team setup. And frankly, it's always fun to watch the U.S. play Mexico, uh, whether it's a competitive game or a friendly game. There's no such thing. Or I shouldn't call it friendly. I should call it an exhibition because there's absolutely nothing friendly about games in between the U.S. and Mexico. Last is, week we talked a little about, about the young lady uh, that, uh, you know, is, is Swanson's uh, wife that uh, short stuff for the Chicago Cubs. And, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about her. What, how, uh, what, what kind of adjustments uh, has the team got to make now that Swanson's gone? The well, tele-entry, again, right? Yeah. Again, like she was a key player in the attack. Um, finding somebody who's going to be able to come in and score those goals is going to be really, really critical. Um, she was, for all intents and purposes, leading that line, uh, kind of almost in that role that we remember 
uh, Carly Lloyd playing, where she right. wasn't maybe necessarily looked at as the designated striker, but she was uh, playing right off of that more in a midfield kind of almost a winger role. So it was a really important um, role. She was, she was really important to the attack. Uh, we're going to have to have somebody come in and fill that. You know, the biggest news that came out since we last talked when it comes to the U.S. women's team is uh, Julia Ertz, who has been out for, you know, over a year uh, with uh, pregnancy and the birth of the, uh, her and Zach's first child. Uh, she's starting to get back into shape. She's starting to play more regularly with the NWSL. And it looks like she's going to be working her way back into the frame and possibly just in time to go down to the, um, to the uh, World Cup. Her missing out on um, that sort of defensive midfield role that she plays where she cleans up everything in between the attack and shades and protects the, um, the, the, the defense. And the goalkeeper was really important, and they had really missed her while she was out. So, uh, although, yeah, they're going to miss Mallory Swanson a lot. I'm hopeful that we may see some more of Trinity Rodman in Mallory Swanson's role. Uh, I really want to get a a look at her because ultimately that young lady is going to be one of the focal points of the U.S. uh, women's team moving forward. Roger? The... uh... I wanted to get back to the uh, uh, union. The, uh, what do you think the, the problem is there with this slow start? And, and I look at the uh, games and, uh, the, you know, the standings. And, and you're right, the United uh, this year uh, are in much, uh, uh, much better shape uh, than they were this time a year ago. Uh, what, what do you think the union's problem is? You know what? I'll be honest. I really just don't know. Sometimes these things can be down to the guys coming in uh, and the chemistry just being a bit off from last year. Maybe guys didn't have the luxury of a full preseason training camp. You know, a player that was removed from the lineup uh, we didn't think would be as uh, as important but turns out to be, for instance, um, Paxton Aronson, who was, you know, who played. I didn't necessarily think that he was the biggest player for them, but he moved on. You know, they could be missing somebody who plays that role. Um, teams have started to, after a couple of years, adjusted to what Jim Curtin does, and they're better at, they've seen it more often, so they're able to defend it a little bit better. Um, you know, the league catches up to you, and they played a lot of games last year, and they're, gonna, they're already uh, having to play the uh, CONCACAF Champions League and then um, another tournament this year, so that's a lot of games for them this year. So there, there could be any number of ones. There's really just nothing that I can pinpoint that is what behind it. I, just, I see a team that just isn't able to execute consistently the same way that at the level that they were last year and Jim Curtin that's why he's in charge you know he's had this job um, for quite a while so it's his job it's his role to figure out what's going on and fix it Mike you're in an unusual area right now the Orioles are uh, making the move up uh, I think they're ahead of Washington last I saw two nothing tonight 
Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the Orioles are, are, are a much improved team and maybe even will uh, exceed the number of wins they had last year because between their minor league system that uh, is capitalizing now at the major league level and the players they had, they're playing much better baseball. But uh, the Washington Baseball Club is not doing very well, and it wasn't expected to be 100 losses. Uh, it would not be unexpected there. The Washington football team has uh, certainly not been straightened out yet. Uh, some of the, your thoughts on what's going on other than uh, the Baltimore Orioles? Well, okay, so, the, yeah, Addie Rushman, who was absolutely a revelation last year, uh, has picked up right where he left off. You're right. They're getting the pitching, um, the farm system. That, you know, after so many bad seasons and so many high draft picks, you would hope that they they hit on a couple. Has, right. um, it, it has come through. And it does look like team expectations were that this would be a team that would be above 500 this year. You know, last year they had a few pieces that they traded at the deadline, but they were still competitive into the fall. Uh, It's a tough division for them with the Yankees and the uh, the Rays both in the division. But the expectation is that they should be remain competitive throughout the year. And so far that's exactly what they look like as for the, um, Washington Nationals, I think the biggest thing that we've seen is the guy that they picked up that they were hoping would be an important part of the trade last year for Juan Soto, Mackenzie Gore, has gotten off to a really good start. Um, His first season in the majors wasn't particularly great. But he's coming off. He was coming into tonight two and zero. He had an ERA was spot on three. Um, he was getting some more consistency out of his fastball and his other pitches. So he was starting off at least through the first couple of games, uh, looking like the best pitcher on that staff and a much improved overall. Like he could be a top end major league starter that they hoped he could be. As far as the Washington Commanders go. Uh, all I can say about that is the saga continues. Uh, I don't know if you have heard the story the latest, but uh, it's been all over up here. Uh, the after our show last week, it was announced that he that Dan Snyder had accepted the bid from the group led by Josh Harris to take over. And then right. a, later on um, this weekend, by Monday, sometime at Sunday Monday time frame, it started to come out that uh, a local guy, former Duke basketball player uh, on the early 90s championship teams, Brian Davis, had put in a $7 billion bid, all cash, for the team, and that he would completely indemnify uh, uh, Dan Snyder. Now, uh, by way of full disclosure, I I know Brian. I, I, I worked with his family. In, um, in in a professional capacity, at one point in time. So I'm gonna I may kind of couch my answers, but I, it's no. Really, it came out of left field. This was not somebody that anybody expected to be able to expected to be bidding on the team. And as right. of right now, nobody can actually find out where this money that he supposedly has this 10.5 million billion dollars in cash that he has. Uh, is actually coming from, or if it actually exists. But he's been making the rounds on um, 
local television and local sports talk radio trying to talk up this bid that 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 he's coming that he says is uh, very legitimate that just really come out of I could not be like I said I, I've worked with him before uh, I could not be more surprised to hear this uh, and to the point that when I initially heard them talking about Brian Davis I you know I know a Brian Davis but I figured they had to immediately be talking about somebody else because I, I right. can imagine that it would be the one that I know. It would be this guy. <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing is uh, the hockey club, uh, for the first time in a long time, is not in the playoffs, so you're not getting a lot of activity there. Well, and they um, they made two moves really, really quickly. Um, uh, well, they made a move really quickly, and they got rid of Peter Laviolette, on the right. basketball side, we saw the, the Wizards, who again um, missed the playoffs. They got rid of their um, GM of four years, Tommy Shepard. Um, both Laviolette and Shepard, uh, for different reasons, have been under a heavy criticism around here. Um, I will say I'll start with Tommy Shepard first. I, I mean, I know that the Wizards' roster wasn't exactly built the greatest, but the one thing that I can say is that he was able to move some contracts that I did not think were movable and actually get back pieces, right? Like we thought after um, John Wall got his injury, but he had signed that $200 million contract, that there was absolutely nothing that you could do with him. But Tommy Shepard managed to move him, turn him into Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook into Spencer Dinwiddie, and Kyle Kuzma, and then he turned Kyle um, Spencer Dinwiddie into Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, so I do have to give him some credit for being able to move players and contracts that nobody thought could be moved. Um, as far as Peter Laviolette, he's clearly um, going to get the fall for the inconsistent uh, um, play of the Capitals. They do feel this season, they did feel like they had a – team that was capable of making the playoffs and they just were never able to put together any sort of sustained play after the early part of the season you know they couldn't when they could score they couldn't defend when they could defend they couldn't score uh it was just it was they were near the bottom of the league and both the penalty um playoff percent percentage scoring and uh, preventing other teams from scoring. So it was a really rough season. I also know that he was towards the end of his contract. He wanted to raise, and if there's anything we know about the Washington uh, Capitals, they do not like to pay coaches. So they'll be out. Um, I'm going to guess that, again, they're going to look for a veteran, but they do have uh, a guy who's been in the system before, who's an assistant, who they might be, I think, with the Devils who they might be looking to uh, pull back in. He's been there for a couple of years and give a shot. So uh, keep an eye on who they get because this person is most likely the one who's going to be sitting next to Alexander Ovechkin when and if he breaks Wayne Gretzky's record. Roger, wind this segment up before we go to Doug Hamilton. Yeah, well, uh, Peter Lavalette uh, didn't have a lot of success with the uh, Flyers. I remember his uh, his era there. Um, but, but let's get back to the uh, Commanders. Uh, about Brian Davis. Okay, I had not heard that. Uh, everything I, I have seen 
is a picture of Josh Harris basically as the guy ready to take over the team. And, of course, uh, they are, very few people, even uh, strong Sixer fans, are a fan of Josh Harris. Okay, uh, because, you know, and especially now with the stadium or arena that he's trying to put together uh, downtown. So the, uh, you know, and, and, and on talk radio, I think uh, I've heard him. Uh, everybody uh, says the same thing. This guy, uh, he could care less about the uh, city where he has a team. Uh, he's And you hit the nail on the head, Mike. All he wants to do is buy teams. He doesn't care about anything. I don't think he cares about winning. He just wants to buy teams and make money from them. You agree with me on that? He's definitely more of an absentee than involved owner. Um, he's definitely going to be the money man. You know, it, it, just look at this bid. He put it together. He's only going to own 30% of the team, which is – the minimum amount that he needs to be able to own to be considered the managing partner. Um, Mitch Rails and, Ma- and um, uh, Magic Johnson between them own another 16%. And then there's, uh, I think, 17 other investors that own the remaining 54% of the team, right? Each of them with less than 3%. Um, but so he's, going to be just a money man he's going to be he likes to have teams that's his business but when you're coming off of 20 plus year 24 years of dan snyder as owner i mean josh harris looks stable he looks good by comparison so right now you know they'll take just about anybody who has any sort of sense in regards to over dan snyder and they're looking at the fact, you know, the Sixers went through their rough patches, but they're in the playoffs consistently now. The well, maybe we'll have some more information from you on Davis next week this time. And, uh, yeah. Mike, as always, thank you very, very much. It's always yeah. interesting when we get you on for your segment, and we'll see what happens next week. You'll have a lot more to tell us, I'm sure. Take care. I'll be All in right. touch, Take Mike. care. You guys have a good Take week. Take care. Have a great week. You too. All right, we're going to sway back to Baltimore again, like between the Baltimore, Washington area. Doug Hamilton, our PGA professional, always joins us. Has a lot of golf news to talk about, but uh, more importantly, before we talk about that, uh, Doug, of course, very much a follower of the Ravens. Does the contract that the Eagles just signed uh, with Jalen Hurts for two hundred fifty-five million does that open the door now for Jackson to get a contract of that kind of stature with the Ravens? Um, would you like me to answer that as Lamar Jackson, the player, or Lamar Jackson, the agent? <laughs> Whatever he you feel have is agent. necessary. He doesn't right. have an agent. Answer it as for him or his mother. His mother. <laughs> his mother's his agent. Um, I think that the answer is that it ought to influence, um, and I think that the more that this drags on, I think you're going to see, um, you know, Joe Burrow is going to sign a contract likely soon. I think you'll see Justin Herbert likely sign a contract soon. Right. Just seeing Jalen Hurts sign a contract. I think, you know, you've seen, you know, Kyler Murray, you've seen Russell Wilson, you've seen Geno Smith, you've seen, um, you know, different people sign these contracts and, you know, devoid of, of, uh, you know, 
Deshaun Watson, nobody's gotten one that's fully guaranteed. Now, the, the contract uh, that Jalen Hurts signed was for $255 million over five years with roughly $180 million guaranteed. One hundred and ten was guaranteed at signing with additional incentives. My guess is that that contract that he just signed was very similar to one that the Ravens had offered Lamar Jackson, and he turned it down. So, you know, like I said, does this influence, you know, the, the status of Lamar Jackson, where they stand with regard to their contract? Yes, it should. But it likely will not, because if he doesn't come off of his demands for $230 million of money guaranteed, it, it, it has no – I mean, I think what you're going to see and the whole reason why this – why we're in this position is because they've made overtures to him with contract offers, and he's rejected them because he wants to hold out for what he thinks is $230 million worth of guaranteed money. You're going to continue to see quarterbacks sign that are as good, if not better, than he for money that's what they've already offered him. You know, so I don't really – I mean, you've seen – that, you know, they put the, the franchise tag on him for 32-5, which allows him to go negotiate with other teams. Well, how many people called his house or his number or his whatever, emailed him and said, hey, we want to give you $230 million guaranteed? Well, the answer is zero. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know where you go from here. I mean, I would think that Eric DaCosta has made contact with Lamar and had discussions with him about where these negotiations stand. Um you know, but where we currently are is he's not going to come to the voluntary workouts. And does he come to training camp and sign? He hasn't signed his tender yet. So, you know, where do we really stand with him being the Ravens quarterback? I mean, the draft is, what, eight days away? I mean, are the Ravens going to consider possibly drafting a quarterback at some point? I mean, will they trade him that day? I mean, there's a lot of things that I think I, I think about you know, with him and, and where they where they currently are, and I don't have any of the answers. Nobody does. There's nobody saying anything. I mean, it's gone pretty radio silent here in Baltimore um, about Lamar Jackson. I mean, the, the big discussion was, you know, the receiver room that they've been trying to upgrade over the past several seasons, um, you know, and they signed Odell Beckham, and that seems to be a big deal here in Baltimore. Roger? Doug, you know, yeah, getting back to this uh, whole scenario we've talked about months for months. Okay, um, I think there's a big difference between Hertz uh, as a person, as a player, uh, and Jackson. Okay, as far as dedication, uh, you know, he uh, didn't play uh, when he, or quote unquote, was hurt. But that's number one. Right. But the other thing is when you mention about possible trade at the uh, mm-hmm. at, before the draft, what team is going to make the deal? Because well, if he wants what he's asking for and he's not mm-hmm. going to move move off off that number, then and there there I don't think there's a team that's going to do that. I really yeah. don't. Well, I, I think you have to, and so. I'll answer the question, but I'll I'll give you this nugget beforehand. And I think that what people don't understand about negotiations in in contracts is I'm not paying you or, in this case, Lamar Jackson for what you've done the previous five years because people always talk about, well, he was the MVP in 19 and he's done this and he's done that. Well, 
This contract negotiation has nothing to do with the pre- previous five years. I'm not paying you for what you've done. I'm paying you for what I'm asking you to do for the next five years when I sign you to the deal. Right. So that, that's the first point. The second is, I mean, if, if you're – the you know, the discussion now is Houston, and I think this is more of a game than it is in actuality, but Houston is now saying that with the second overall pick, they're not – they're not really, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about any of these quarterbacks, and they may just take the best defensive player, you know, available. And I think that's more of a ploy for them to get out of the second pick and trade and get more, you know, resources. But, you know, we know that the Carolina Panthers are smitten with a quarterback. I don't know whether it's Stroud or Young or Richardson or which one it is. You know, you know that there are other people in this draft that may move up. The Raiders, I think, were one that talked about it. Um you know, I think that um, uh, Atlanta may do something. Obviously, the Colts are in need of a quarterback. The question you ask yourself is, you know, it's financial with regard to drafting a quarterback because you get them for five years on the cheap um, as opposed to paying the big-time contract numbers that you're going to pay Lamar Jackson. But the question you ask yourself is, is Lamar Jackson the quarterback better than any of the quarterbacks that I can select at my respective draft position? And I would likely say the answer is yes, because we don't know if Stroud or Young or Richardson or Levis, the top four quarterbacks, are NFL-ready yet. So if you're a floundering team and you pick one of these quarterbacks, you're going to go through another learning curve of how many years, one, two, three years, as they start to figure the game out. And are you willing to do that to build your team, or do you want a more win-now mentality with a guy like Lamar Jackson that you can seed in there and say, here's my offense, let's go, go get him. So, you know, what's the draft capital that you have to give up to get a Lamar Jackson if you're the Indianapolis Colts? In addition to the financial resources, you know, what are the what would the Ravens want for him? Well, they want let's start with the, the fourth overall pick, you know, and let's let's go to the 35th overall pick, and then you know, is there another player involved? Is there future draft picks beyond that? So, you know, you look at a team like the Colts; they got a really good running back, they have a pretty good defense. Um, their offensive line is pretty good, and they have some pieces. I mean, would that you know is that going to be better than taking Will Levis? You know what I mean? That, that's the question you ask yourself. Well, let's switch gears for a minute. Uh, last score I saw was Wallabor two, Washington nothing. I don't know what the score is right now. I don't have, I'm watching the uh, Yankee game, three but nothing. Uh, yeah. three nothing now. Well, it was well. I mean, it was, all it was the one things we talked about. And, um, Adam Frazier hit a two-run homer, so it was three nothing. It was the bottom of the eighth, and Perez was coming in, but I didn't see where that. Okay. Was well, all the things we talked about is spring training seem to be coming to fruition. I think that they've really put together in the early go in the first twenty games. What they played nineteen or twenty, something like that. Uh, it appears they're going to be they're going to be a force in the American League. They're going to be a representative yeah. team that has a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, look, they they're ten and seven heading tonight's outcome. Um, you know, hopefully that makes it eleven and seven. Um, right. You know, I mean, look, they they started off with a rough series in Boston, and um, I think weather was a bigger part of that. Their defense and, and everything, and those were higher scoring games and a lot of a lot of misfit kind of scenarios with their defense. Um, you know, they they beat a really good uh, Texas Rangers team, uh, two out of three. Um, you know, they they came home and, and played the Yanks. Um, we were at, we were at opening day that they won. Um, that's a tough 
tough lineup to face. Um, you know, then, you know, Oakland's not a very good team. They took three of those games, and hopefully they can win both of these. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of question marks uh, that I have. I mean, number one, their, their defense is a little shaky, and um, that was kind of one of their calling cards last year of, of how they won 83 games, being a very good defensive baseball team. Um, you know, I like the, the fact that they have people that they can move around to different positions, but I also think that lends itself to a little bit of the chaos that they – um, incur from people playing different positions um, on a non-regular basis. I think that their pitching staff has always been a question mark. I think Kyle Gibson has looked uh, like the veteran they hoped he would look when they signed him. Um, Dean Kramer has had significant struggles, although he pitched very well last night. I think Kyle Bradish threw the baseball very well tonight. Um, I think they're going to hitch their wagon to Grayson Rodriguez and let him figure it out at the major league level. Um, his first couple starts, I was not impressed with, with him being the number one overall prospect pitching-wise in baseball. He has kind of shaky off-speed stuff. And he, he that second game that he pitched, they, they had 16 two-strike counts, and he only got six outs from that. So you know, it doesn't appear that his off-speed stuff is, is kind of wipe-out material. Um, you know, he doesn't really have no, a no put-away no pitch. Closer doesn't really have a put-away pitch, um, but the, the third start that he made, I think that he's changed up, looked a lot better, and it was working in and out of the zone, um, changing eye levels and, and working east to west more. Um, so that was that looked that was encouraging. Um, you know, they sent Cole Irvin down to the minor leagues, which was one of their bigger off-season acquisitions as a left-handed starter. Um, so I mean, they have some options, and I, I think that they'll continue to figure it out at the you know at the major league level here in terms of their pitching staff, their bullpen. You know, it looked a little shaky, but I think they're starting to figure that out as well. I think that Felix Bautista is – I think he's a top-five closer in, in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, he's pretty lights out when he comes in. Um, the back end of their bullpen has looked pretty solid with Brian Baker and, and Cano and, and, in some respects, you know, Perez. So, um, you know, they're a good offensive team as well. I mean, they, they have a lot of young prospects that are going to probably make their way into the Major Leagues. Um, as the season progresses and there's a lot of room and, and hope here in, in Baltimore for optimism. I think that, you know, regardless of what their season metrically, you know, means to those people with wins and losses and do they make the playoffs? I don't think to me that's as important as the continued development and, and growth of these, of these players at this level, um, which are fun to watch. So. Roger. Yeah. Before we get, we get finished tonight, uh, you guys, the golf ex- ex- experts, didn't really talk much about the uh, tournament last weekend. And uh, and then I, I think the one that's coming up this weekend has some uh, an unusual uh, feature, doesn't it, about the way it's structured? Anybody there? Yeah, I mean, no. I, I Listen, I... <laughs> I just I really get excited to to come on the show each and every week and and talk about whatever it is that we talk about. You know I love sports in general and you know obviously the the golf aspect is is um, you know clearly something that I'm involved in on a daily basis. Uh, but sure, I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I outside of the majors, um, I really don't pay that much attention to you know the tour itself. Um, you know, I think well, that I, I, get, I embed one myself. Thing have, one thing we have to talk about is Rory taking a $3 million cut. I mean, he's being penalized $3 million for not appearing in last week's mm-hmm. tournament. Uh, right. I mean, that, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm just amazed that he was willing to do that. 
<laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, that's three million dollars is an awful lot of money to most people that we would, you know, say that to anybody that um, I know. Anybody, right? You know, um, you know, maybe not you, Doug. <laughs> shit, I, you know, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but I mean, if if I could print money like that, I mean, I don't know, I would, that would be pretty fun to, uh, and, you know, just <laughs> God, all of it. I mean, how You're do, right. Well, I, I yeah. was just amazed. I mean, he, he already had, he had already uh, used up his one designated one where he could take a week off, and so he knew he was going to be penalized. I don't know if he knew he was going to be penalized three million dollars, but yeah. uh, he knew he was going to be fined. Uh, but I, I never expected it was going to be anything like three billion dollars. Last week's tournament was really an outstanding tournament. Uh, right. Spieth had a couple of chances to win it, could get it done, and with four extra holes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you, the second shot that Fitzpatrick hit on that fourth hole yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. four inches from the cup. But I want to talk about something else in golf. Well, I want to talk about the round that Gary Player had last Sunday. Did you read about that? <laughs> no, no. Are you talking about uh, what? What? Where, where was this? At the Masters, he played. He played the Masters on Sunday. He used the cart only on the uphill. He he, uh, he walked the rest, but uh, on mm-hmm. the uphill holes, he used the cart. And uh, oh, cause, and, well, uh, was that because Tiger Woods dropped out and they had an odd number? <laughs> No, no, he just played it. Uh, uh, you know, oh. it was this last Sunday. Well, there was no. Yeah, it was uh, the week after. It was the week after the Masters. Right, the and, week after uh, the Masters. Yeah, and and what they do is, I know guys that have, have played it. Uh, you know, that live in this area, mm-hmm. and they get to go over there and play. And I, I'm sure that they bring in a lot of celebrity golfers. Uh, you know, that uh, spend time with them, and they're also, you know, big role, uh, big heavy uh, hitters. Uh, that do it, and that's what he did. I'm sure that's what you're alluding to, Don. There was that, that you know, he, he, he played the whole 18 holes. He walked all but the uphills, and he shot 76. Wow. And uh, and uh, so they were talking about how how well he had played, and that. Uh, but he's he's now played. Let me get the number. I do, I wrote it down. I can't think where I put it right now. But anyway, he wrote it down that. Uh, uh, he has now played. His age. He was 87 years old this week, and uh, he uh, he only counts. He only counts scores. He has now played 3,072 consecutive times, where he's never been over his age, and the lowest one he made was a 64 uh, a number of years ago. But he played over a thousand times and never shot a, a, a round over his age at, at 87 now. And he shot 76 yeah. at the Masters last Sunday. Unbelievable! 87 when I shoot in the that's first wonderful. three holes. I, I can't, I can't speak to that because there's no way possible I could shoot a 48 in 18 holes. So. Oh, that, well, yes, you could. Well, I'd be yeah, on about the 14th hole. We'll leave it right there. We can, we can contemplate that door of the week. But at 76 and the Masters at 87 years old, I want to tell that's you, that, that shows me something. And he, and he walked everything but the uphills. Uh, unbelievable. Fellas, we're out of time. Thank you very much to all our Have guests. Have a great tonight. week. God Valley, bless. Larry right. Bowe, everybody Thanks that was everything. with us. Doug, thank you so much. See you next week. Same time, same station. Yes, you got it. Have a great week.
ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation for the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women police and fire services, and doctors and nurses at the at the hospital and first responders of COVID. Um, please, when you're out there and you, you see somebody, please give them a, a nice handshake. These, these programs are also dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcat, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hemler, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Chris LeBake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Onafa Crispin, Lakeland PD, Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogle, Longwood Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Deputy Mike Hargrove, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Blaine Lane, Polk County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chris Myers, Polk County Sheriff's Department. And Sergeant Chris Fitzgerald, Philip Sheriff's Department. And Temple University's Police Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, sometime will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields. The sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week. Shema i
Hey, Bob, we love you and we miss you. 